Well, today we're in part five of this series called Faithful. And if this is your first time joining us throughout the, throughout the series, we've discovered that in the first century, when Jesus invited people to follow him, that his agenda for his first century followers and for his 21st century followers is that they and we would be people characterized by big, active, in spite of, unshakable, extraordinary faith and trust and confidence in God through him. Not, not a religious faith that's disconnected from the real world, but a faith that impacts and informs our real world responses, decisions, and actions, and our real world experience of God. Well, one of the things that God wants for you is to grow your faith. And the reason he wants to grow your faith is because of one key word, and that word is relationship. God created humanity. He created you for an authentic, interactive, intimate, growing, real relationship with him. Our sin broke that relationship. Our Heavenly Father sent Jesus to redeem, to restore, to reconcile it. But what you need to know, and it's so important that you know this, is that our faith in Jesus and the quality of our relationship with him, those two things are intertwined because, as we've talked about throughout this series, as trust goes, so goes the relationship. That's true between husband and wife, between colleagues, between friends, and that's especially true between you and God. And all, what all this means is the more our faith in Jesus grows, the better our relationship with him will be. And the better our relationship with him is, the more God's glorified, the more we experience God's power and presence in our lives, the more God transforms us into everything that he's created us to be. And that's what God ultimately wants for you. Some of you, somewhere along the way, lost faith. And you want to rediscover it. You want to restart it. Other of you maybe want to start faith for the very first time. Many of you simply want to grow or strengthen your faith. Well, the reality is this, is that being faithful, it doesn't happen by accident. Being full of the faith that God wants for you and that you want for you, it doesn't happen by chance. The question is, how do we get and develop big, active, enduring, go-the-distance, unshakable faith in Jesus? The, the kind of faith that shows up at work and at home and in trauma and our fear and worry in the midst of our challenges as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The, the type of faith that fills us with a hope and peace and confidence that God is with us, that God is working, that God is there when we experience suffering, pain, hardship, trials, and disappointment. And those are the questions that we're attempting to answer throughout this series. Based on what Jesus taught and modeled, combined with hearing hundreds, you know, the hundreds of stories of people who have developed extraordinary faith, we've concluded that there are five faith catalysts that God uses to fuel our faith. Now, there may be more, but I'm convinced that there are at least five because over and over and over when people say, here's the thing God used to grow and transform my faith, they always seem to fall into one of five categories. And so far, we've looked at three of those five faith catalysts. We start off looking at practical biblical teaching. And then a couple weeks ago, we looked at the catalyst, private spiritual disciplines. And then last week, we dove into the third catalyst, pivotal circumstances. Today, we're going to focus in on the fourth catalyst that God uses to fuel our faith. And the truth is, is that I've yet to hear of someone's faith growing that didn't include someone else in it. They, they, they always talk about a person who, now looking back, God seemingly placed in their life and in their path at just the right time. These are what I call 
providential relationships. Over and over and over, when people tell their stories about how their faith and trust and confidence in God grew, you'll hear something like, then I met this person who was a follower of Christ. Then, then my coach talked to me about Jesus. Then my friend invited me to his church. Then there was this person who spoke hard truth in my, in my life in the most loving way. Then this woman who, who I barely knew was there for me when I needed it the most. The, then my mom remarried and my stepfather introduced me to faith. Then, then that person, they, they just listened to me and they prayed nonstop for me. Then, then they challenged me in a way that absolutely rocked my world. And then, then I watched this person, I watched this person walk through what can only be described as hell on earth with a peace, a peace I didn't understand, but they said it was because of their faith in God. And I'm so glad they showed up in my life when they did. I'm not sure how I would have been able to make it through that without them. I, I wouldn't be where I am today apart from them. It's, it's like God just put them into my life at just the right time. And, I, and I, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, it sure seems providential. It seems a little bit like it was divine intervention, because they provided the insight and perspective that God knew that I needed. They gave me encouragement and hope that I had been praying for. God, God used them to confront me and convict me in ways I didn't want to be, but God knew that I needed to be. It was like, it was like God spoke to me through them. It was, if God, it was as if God intervened in my life through them at just the right time. And as a result, my faith in God grew. It sounds, many people's stories sound a little something like this. Go ahead and take a look. So it was 1995, and Mike and I had been married for a year already. He was in the Air Force at the time. And we had just moved to Keflavik, Iceland. He was part of a small Air Force squadron. Um, it was just a very exciting time, you know, just newly married and just trying to figure things out. And we decided to try and add to our family. And unfortunately, our first three babies were miscarriage, miscarriages. And um, that wasn't what <laughs> we had hoped for or what we wanted, but it happened. When I miscarried, for the third time, it really did feel like my heart was broken too. Like, I could physically feel like my heart was broken. And all those dreams that we had talked about, all those names that we had talked about, just, they weren't coming true. And that's really hard because he just kind of send you home. One night, we were just getting ready to go to sleep, and I told my husband that I just didn't feel like I'd ever feel joy again. The pain just was engulfing me. And fast forward two weeks later, and we were at church, and a guy who had just gotten to the island the day before came up to us and said, 
I feel like God wants me to tell you guys something. And so we were like, okay, um, what, what is he going to tell us? And he said, I feel like God wants me to tell you that you're gonna feel joy again. And I just went in full on ugly cry. Like I whispered something in the dark to my husband and here God was encouraging me and telling me that I was going to feel joy again. The God of the universe, the one who sent his son just wanted to encourage me and to know that this wasn't where it all ended. We were able to come back to Omaha and so this is where I grew up. So we had family and um, shortly after we moved in, I got pregnant again. And um, even though it was really a scary time and a lot of days where like, you know, that every hour I would struggle with fear and just praying that God would just take that away. Um, was just another time of growth, you know, in my faith. And that he just was so present and so faithful. When you go to a doctor and you don't really have an appointment, military hospitals, you just expect to be sitting there for all day, you know, until they could squeeze you in. And the appointment right at nine canceled. And I walked in and they were like, okay, come on back. And my doctor looked at me and checked me and said, how'd you like to have a baby today? And Emma was born later that afternoon. And it was kind of that fulfillment of you're gonna feel this joy, this deep-seated joy, which, you know, when your baby's born, it's lots of laughter and tears and, and that deep-seated joy that he promised. You know, I don't know where I would be in my faith if none of this had happened. And I would hope I'd be like where I'm at right now, but I don't know, and so I'm grateful. <clears throat> yeah, Marcy talked about her faith grew in the midst of an extremely hard, pivotal circumstance. Talked about that last week. And it happened because she recognized God intervening and God speaking into her life through that one person. That providential relationship. Here's the big idea I hope that you remember from today is that God uses people to transform our faith. I would argue every single time. At every critical juncture in our faith journey, at every point our faith grew, I would argue there was always someone whose path providentially intersected with ours. And in some cases, it was a person you already had a relationship with. On other occasions, there was someone who you just had a brief interaction with. In either case, God always uses 
people to transform our faith. That's why at Relevant we say transformation doesn't happen in isolation. We say transform people, transform people. And we say that over and over and over again because because the writers of Scripture and experience tells us that God uses people to transform our faith. That's true in other people's stories. That's true in my story. And if you think about it just for a second, that's true in your story as well. Think, Think back to the time you became interested in faith. Think back to the time that your faith journey started. Think back to the time your faith was reignited or grew. Think back to the time your faith was transformed. What do all those times have in common? I can guarantee they all included someone else. And when you think about those people, no better word than providential can describe their significance in your life and in your faith. Listen, if you're someone who wants to grow or strengthen your faith, someone who wants to start or maybe restart your faith, someone who wants to rediscover faith, you have to know that God uses people to transform our faith every single time. Now, if that's true, which I obviously believe that it is, that means in order to get, develop, and grow an enduring, go-the-distance, unshakable faith, We've got to do everything we can for the potential of providential relationships to form and flourish in our life. And we must because the people in your life impact your faith, both positively and negatively. For for better or for worse, my faith and your faith has been and is being impacted by the people that we surround ourselves with. This is a biblical principle that's true for all of us all the time. For you and for me, all of us, all the time. And like all biblical principles, you can't break it, which means you can either work with it and benefit from it, or you can ignore it and break yourself against it. This principle is seen over and over and over through the pages of Scripture. And I just want to give you a couple of examples today. The first example comes from the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And Proverbs was actually written by, uh, uh, by King Solomon about a thousand or so years before the events of Jesus' life. And Solomon, during the time of his life, was recognized around the world as the wisest person to have ever lived. And here's what Solomon wrote. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Very simple. Solomon's saying, when the people in your life are wise people, you become wise. When the people in your life are fools... You're going to end up foolish, and you will suffer for it. Now, regardless of what you believe about, the God, about God, about the Bible, about Jesus, I doubt that too many people would argue with this because we all have enough experience to see that there are no neutral relationships. Solomon is basically saying the people we surround ourselves with will impact us positively or negatively. Most of us have lived long enough to know that this is so very true. I mean, isn't it true that the people in your life have been that, that the people in your life have been the biggest influence in you either taking steps toward or away from following Jesus and your faith in him? If you're being honest, isn't it true that your greatest regrets could be traced back to a relationship? 
to a phone call you wish you never would have returned, a text message you, never, you wish you never responded to, an invitation you wish you never would have said uh, yes to, a date wish you, you wish you never would have gone out on. Isn't it, if you're being honest, isn't it true that many of the good and bad habits that you and I have in our life today were introduced to us through a person in our lives? And why? It's because the people we surround ourselves with are powerful influences in our lives. Listen, don't miss the significance, especially young people, of what I am going to say to you next. Show me your five closest relationships, and I will show you your future. Show me your five closest relationships, and I will show you. Show me your five closest relationships, and I can almost predict with accuracy what destinations that you will arrive at spiritually, physically, morally, financially, mentally, emotionally. Listen, if the five closest people to you are generous, loving, respectful, following Jesus, successful, healthy, wise, you're probably going to end up there. If the five closest people to you are idiots, <laughs> drug addicts, selfish, agnostic, lazy, complainers, unhealthy, fools, you're likely going to end up there as well. I'm going to say it again. The people in your life impact your faith both positively and negatively. Which means if you want to get and develop and grow extraordinary faith, you've got to surround yourself with people who are already there. If you want to have fragile, frail, weak faith, all you have to do is surround yourself with those people and you'll have it. And if we're being honest, some of you are being honest, that's what's happened to you. That's why some of you have lost and abandoned your faith. All you got to do is look at the people around you. Every day, our lives intersect with others who are extraordinarily influential in growing or eroding our faith, in pushing us toward or away from Jesus. You and I can count on that for the rest of our lives. The second example I want to show you is from the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church, to a community of Christ followers in the city of Corinth about 30 or so years after the events of Jesus' life. And here's what Paul writes right at the end of this letter. He says, do not be misled. Basically, don't be deceived by buying into the lie that what I'm about to say isn't 100% true for you. Here it is. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, if you have kids or teenagers, you're like, this is good. I need to hang this on their wall. <laughs> and we think this only applies to young people, not so. What Paul is saying is the wrong type of people in your life will negatively impact you no matter how young you are or old you are, rich you are, poor you are, how big a faith you have or how little a faith you have. But we already know that, don't we? Bad company has corrupted a bunch of marriages. Bad company has pulled too many people into destructive addictions. Bad company has, has planted corrupted ideas into people's minds that have led them away from Jesus. 
Bad company has destroyed so many people's self-worth and eroded so many people's faith. You don't have to be a follower of Christ. You don't have to believe what, the, what, what is written in the Bible to be true to know that the wrong kind of relationships impact you in a way that create the wrong type of outcomes and the wrong kind of behaviors. Just as the right kind of relationships impact you in a way that create the right kind of outcomes and the right kind of behaviors. Just as he who walks with the wise will become wise and in the same way the company of fools suffers harm and in the same way bad company corrupts good character all throughout the pages of scripture you see that the people in your life influence the quality the direction and the destinations of your life and your faith that's true when we're 14 and that's true when we're 40 for better or for worse the people that we choose to do life with influences uh, influences the quality of our lives both now and in the future the direction that our lives are headed spiritually physically morally financially mentally emotionally and the destinations that we arrive at in those areas of, of our life and you don't need the bible to know this is true Think about all the times, think about all the times where you have just seen someone throw all their logic and all their education and all their beliefs and all their convictions to the side and either positively or negatively alter their actions, their attitudes, their morals, their stances, their positions, their choices because of the people in their lives. Think about how many times that has been true for you. Bottom line is this, whenever people tell their stories about their faith in God either growing or deteriorating, they always talk about the people, about the relationships in their life during that time. And why? Because the people in your life impact your faith both positively and negatively. You can't break this biblical principle. You can either work with it and benefit from it or you can ignore, your, you can ignore it and break yourself against it. So... Do you want to get and develop and grow an enduring, go-the-distance, unshakable faith? If so, it's worth honestly answering this question. Are the people in your life helping your faith grow or causing it to erode? Because the people in your life are doing one or the other all the time. God uses people to transform our faith every single time. And when those people come into our lives, the best word to describe it is providential. But here's the problem. We just can't go out and create providential relationships. If we could, they wouldn't be providential. Uh, a providential relationship that God uses to fuel and transform our faith, they, this kind of happens. So what do we do with that? Like, what's... What's our part in that? Well, I believe our part is to be proactive in developing what I call authentic relationships. And here's how I define authentic relationships. People who are intentionally helping grow your faith and who you are intentionally helping grow theirs. People who are intentionally helping you Pivot toward God. People who are intentionally helping you take next steps to follow Jesus and who you are intentionally helping do the same with as well. I believe that authentic relationships have the most 
have the most potential to be the providential ones. Therefore, we can and we should do everything we can for, for these types of relationships to form and to flourish in our lives. The, the author of Hebrews weighs in on this dynamic. He, Hebrews is a book in the New Testament that's kind of like a long, complicated sermon, if I'm being really honest with you. And, and in one section, the, the, the author of Hebrews is urging followers of Christ to persevere in their faith. And here's what he said. He said, let us Those of us who are followers of Christ, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life, Christ followers, let us hold unswervingly, unwaveringly, basically taking the straight direct line, let us hold unswervingly to the hope, and I would say to the faith that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And in order to facilitate us holding unswervingly, let us consider Let us think about, let us contemplate, let us focus on, meaning it won't happen by accident. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider how we may spur one another another on toward following Jesus and growing in real world active faith. Not giving up meeting together. Why? Because the people in your life Impact your faith. But encouraging one another, encouraging one another in faith. Oh, excuse me, not getting up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. I'll come back to that in a second. But encouraging one another, encouraging one another in our faith. And all the more as you see the day approaching, referring to the day when Jesus physically returns. When it comes to our faith being transformed, when it comes to being faithful, when it comes to recognizing God's faithfulness, Who we surround ourselves with, well, it matters. It matters. And the hard truth is, listen to me, this may be the reason that some of you have lost faith or are losing faith. Some of you are not in or have gotten out of the, in the words of the writer of Hebrews, habit of surrounding yourself with people of faith. And you've got to know this. People lose faith when they quit surrounding themselves with people of faith. People lose faith when they quit surrounding themselves with people of faith. People drift away from their, you've got to know this. People drift away from their community of faith, and they drift away from people of faith before they drift away from faith. Every single time. Why? Because God uses people to transform our faith every single time. Listen, God wants to strengthen. He wants to grow. He wants to fuel your faith. But for that to happen, you need to surround yourself. And I need to surround myself with authentic relationships. With people who are intentionally helping you grow in your faith. And who you are intentionally helping grow in their faith as well. You need to because authentic relationships have the greatest potential to be the providential ones. Unfortunately, you can't magically make authentic relationships happen, but you can create the potential for them to happen and to form and to flourish. And the great news is, is that you're part of a church that is committed to doing everything we can to create relational environments that helps facilitate that. 
I don't know why the lights went out. They are going out though. <laughs> Boom. There they are. I tried to like work through it like it wasn't happening. You all saw it. I just kept, kept in stride right there. <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> you are part of a church that is committed to do everything we can to create relational environments that help facilitate that. See it relevant? Our mantra is that circles are better than rows. We spend a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of energy trying to get every kid, every student, every adult out of rows on Sunday mornings and into circles, into small, smaller communities of people, into a small group. For our kids and students, these are our next-gen small groups. For birth through pre-K, those are Sprout small groups. For K through fifth grade, those are relevant kids small groups. For middle school students, those are rooted small groups. And for high school students, those are youth united small groups. For college students and adults, we call these small groups T-Life groups. So real quick, let me just talk to a few groups of people here. If you're a middle school student, or a high school student, and you want your faith to grow, if you're not part of a rooted or youth united small group, I encourage you to take the next step and engage in one by middle school students getting it to rooted Sunday afternoons at 4 o'clock, high school students getting the youth united Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. This is where you are going to be exposed to the first catalyst we talked about, Practical biblical teaching that inspires and empowers you to follow Jesus and where you'll get connected into a small group of 8 to 10 other students and a small group leader who is committed to invest in you and your faith. Listen, middle school students, high school students, God wants to transform your faith. He wants to grow your faith. But transformation doesn't happen in isolation. So engage. These small groups are the best environment for the potential of authentic relationships to form and flourish in your life. Parents, hey, if you're a parent of a child, a middle school student, or a high school student, and they're not part of Sprouts, Relevant Kids, Rooted, or Youth United, I strongly encourage you to start getting them there every single week. And I encourage that because I know that you want your child to have extraordinary faith. That's what you say you want. You got to remember, God uses people to transform our faith every single time. That's true for you, and that's true for them as well. And as I said a few weeks ago, we'll do our best to make their experience exceptional. They'll love some of what they do. They won't love all of what, they, uh, what we do because they're kids. I would just encourage you to not make this optional because the people in your child's life, listen to me, the people in your child's life will impact their faith both positively and negatively. You choose who those people are. Choose wisely. For college students and adults who want your faith to grow, I encourage you to engage in a T-Life group. 
T-Life groups are small groups of college students and adults pursuing Jesus together. T-Life groups are designed to be smaller communities of people within the larger relevant community who meet weekly to grow in a relationship with Jesus together, experience community with one another, and provide and receive care for one another. T-Life groups are the best environment for the potential of authentic relationships to form and flourish in your life and for your faith to be transformed with other college students and adults from relevant. That's why our goal is to get every person from relevant into a T-Life group. Circles are better than rows. God wants to grow. He wants to transform your faith. Transformation doesn't happen in isolation. So if you're not part of a T-Life group, I encourage you to take a next step and engage, and you can do that today. We launch T-Life groups a few times a year. The, the next time we launch them is August. If you're not engaged in a T-Life group and you're interested today, I would encourage you to text the word groups to 55444. By doing so, you're going to get early access to T-Life groups before we open them up to everyone else on August 1st. And you'll want early access because there are only so many spots. Now, it's a possibility that some of you are currently in a small group or have been in a small group, you know, a rooted small group, YU small group, a T-Life group, and you're not experiencing authentic relationships forming and flourishing. You got in there to experience that and you're not. And you're frustrated. You got frustrated and you quit. Or you are frustrated and you're getting ready to quit. If that's you, so I want to talk to you real quick. Here's what you got to know. Authentic relationships don't just magically happen because we're part of a small group. For authentic relationships to form and flourish requires, requires much from everyone in the small group, including you. I want to give you four words that are required for authentic relationships to form and to flourish. The first word is availability. In order for authentic relationships to form and flourish, we must be available with our time, available to pray with one another, to care for one another when we, we each other in need, available to be there, available to listen, available to respond. Listen, hurry and busyness, hurry and busyness kills so much, the greatest of which are authentic relationships. For authentic relationships to form and flourish requires we love one another just as Christ first loved us. And this quote is so cool. I love this quote. Love has a speed, and it's slower than you are. Let me say it again. Love has a speed, and it's slower than you are. Love pauses. Love lingers. Love offers full focus. Love gives far more than it takes. Love is available. The second word is intentionality. In order for authentic relationships to form and flourish, we must be intentional to reach out to one another, to share our lives with one another, to pray for one another, to care for one another, to pursue one another, to get together with one another, to meet with one another, to encourage one another, to speak life into one another, to listen to one another. Love is intentional. The third word is sacrificial love. It's one word because I hyphenated it. <laughs> Jesus said... <laughs> Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. In order for authentic relationships to form and flourish, we must love one another sacrificially. To Jesus, love means sacrificing all of me. All of what I want, how I feel, what's best for me, what I need, what I deserve, for all of you. 
for what you need. For what's best for you today. That's the love that Jesus showed us by dying on the cross in our place for our sins. And that's the love that's required from all of us for authentic relationships to form and flourish. Love is sacrificial. And the final word is commitment. You can't microwave authentic relationships. It takes an enormous amount of time for a very long period of time for authentic relationships to form and to flourish. Therefore, we must be and stay committed to them. Being committed to show up to group when we don't feel like it. Being committed to forgive one another when they they hurt our feelings. Being committed to not give up on them. Being committed to not quit, not quit on them, not quit on the group, not quit on church and jump to another church. Being committed to being available and being intentional. Being committed to love sacrificially even when they don't deserve it. Being committed to care for the people in our group and allowing them to care for us. Being committed to helping the people in your, in your group take next steps to following Jesus and allowing them to help you do that by teaching one another, challenging one another, inspiring one another, empowering and equipping and confronting one another, giving accountability to one another, correcting one another, speaking God's word into one another, walking in the fullness of grace and truth with one another. This is what love does. Love is committed. So, are you loving and pursuing the people in your small group like this? If you've been frustrated in the past, or you're currently frustrated in your group, here's what I can guarantee happened. What happened is everyone in your group was not doing that. That's what happened. And what we so often do is they need to change. They didn't. They, so I got frustrated. I quit. But let me ask you. Were you? Are you? So we want others to go first and be the change. And Jesus is saying, you go first. You be the change. That's how things Change. So if you've disengaged, if you're like, I was out, I got frustrated, I quit, you got to re-engage and start doing that. For your faith to grow, you've got to surround yourself with authentic relationships, with people who are intentionally helping you grow, helping grow your faith and whom you are intentionally helping grow theirs. You need to because authentic relationships have the potential to be the providential ones. The best environment for the potential of authentic relationships to form and flourish is one of our next-gen small groups or a T-Life group. But that will require availability, intentionality, sacrificial love, and commitment over the long haul from everyone in the small group, including you. And you'll want to do what's required because God uses people to transform your faith Every single time. You'll want to do what's required because when you do, God will use you to help grow and transform someone else's faith. And listen, when you're the providential relationship in someone else's life, well, nothing will grow your faith more than that. So do you want to get, develop, and grow and endure and go the distance unshakable faith? Here's my question for you. If so... What next step will you take for the potential of authentic relationships to form 
and flourish in your life. Whatever your next step is, take it. Take it because transformation doesn't happen in isolation. Take it because God uses people to transform our faith every single time. And maybe one day when you're telling your story about how your faith grew, you'll talk about how God providentially put that person in your life. And who knows, maybe <laughs> when they're telling their story, they'll talk about you being the providential relationship in their life. Dear Lord, I pray whatever next step you would have us take, I pray we take it. You know, that's engaging in a group or how we just interact with the people in our group and love and are committed and serve and whatever you'd have us do, I pray that we do it. I thank you for giving us one another. That we don't have to do this faith journey alone. I thank you for the people that you put in my life that have helped grow my faith and remind me of your faithfulness when my faith is wavered. Lord, I pray that I can hopefully be that, that we can hopefully be that in so many other people's life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.